Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. I am one of your co-hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined as always by Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Erica. Today we have Bob Bigman, who was a 30-year veteran of the Central Intelligence Agency. Final, uh, his final term there was working as the CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. And for the last almost eight years, Bob's been doing private consulting. Out of all of our guests, I mean, they've all seen a lot. We can, I think we can put Bob in the category of he's seen a lot over his, <laughs> over his time. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. So, Bob, a couple weeks ago, we had Dick Schaefer from NSA on the phone talking about information assurance. We were talking about this cybersecurity problem being a global problem, information sharing. We talked about the, uh, you know, the, the, the ease for the adversary to attack critical infrastructure, companies, governments, you name it, and the difficulty for the defenders. You've had, as I said in the intro, a ton of experience here. What are your thoughts there? I mean, are, are things just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse until it can't get any worse? Or where, where do we go from here? What do we do? Well, I'm not sure we're any worse. First, thank you for having me. Um, I'm not sure where any, where any worse uh, ends up, but um, it's not going to get any better. Um, you know, we, we talk about information sharing and why I think uh, it's needed to a degree. It's not our problem. Um, the, the problem is that the the attack surface for the bad guys, specifically the Russians and the Chinese, today is still so broad um, and so wide. Uh, you know, the, the fact that someone is or is not receiving certain intelligence reports from the government or sharing with the government or getting within their industry domain from their Isaac is really, it's not unimportant, but it's its not useful because those same organizations aren't exhibiting the right proper cybersecurity measures. You know, they're not doing the right hygiene. They've not configured their Windows environment the right way. They're not protecting their Linux servers. They're not doing any uh, satisfactory uh, analytics on their log, log information, both external attacks and internal. Um, so, what we found, I think, was people complain that there's not enough sharing or global uh, sharing going on. I, right. I feared every possible CVE, the second that was available, it'd be irrelevant because the people I work with mostly <laughs> are just incapable of being able to make these upgrades and patch their systems and keep them secure um, at any point in time. So, so let me take let me ahead. take this to a physical world. Tell me if sure. I'm on to something here. This is almost like a, a wealthy neighborhood, the United States, but a wealthy neighborhood, everybody leaving at the same time, going on vacation, leaving their doors and the windows open, no alarms, no security or anything. Yep. You know, and, and yep. we're not we're not protecting our, our homes. We're not protecting our neighborhood is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't value organizationally and to some extent in the government, we don't value the need for good cybersecurity hygiene, good cybersecurity practices use of good technology, it's, uh, it, it's very um, ephemeral in the, in the sense that, yeah, you, if there's an incident, people might for a few, few short hours or months uh, you know, throw some money at or do some things, but it's not part of their, at least in corporate America, it's not part of their, cybersecurity is not part of the corporate culture. 
Um, so at night, at night I go to bed. I check all the windows. I check right. all the doors. Right. I don't really turn the I don't turn the alarm on some of the time. I should probably shouldn't say that, but I, I don't always. Say, should be a little more diligent here. We'll take that out, <laughs> Eric. I think I'm going to <laughs> now. I'm going to now, Bob. But that was C-R-E-X. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you my address at the end of the show. But but basically, what you're saying is, you know, we we need to be diligent about security, just like right. we would in protecting our families in their houses. It's got to be part of your corporate culture as uh, how you do IT, right? You rely – everyone relies on IT systems being available, and they invest a lot of money in that and lots of time. Uh, and they work very hard at it, but they don't, they, they, they don't, for whatever reason, consider cybersecurity as being an important part of that. They, they just frankly don't. Erica, why is that? Is it the millennials? What's going on here? Well, no, but I want to, I would, I would love though to expand upon that a bit because I, I, you know, I think what we hear, um, you know, is a lot of money, especially from the government is being invested into cybersecurity, a lot of focus um, within, you know, individual agencies. We see, um, for example, um, with Department of Energy, I mean, they now have a, you know, the uh, deputy secretary, secretary, Karen Evans, singularly focused on cybersecurity. So do you see that tie changing where it is becoming part of the, the, the government culture or company culture within the government? Or do you still see it as a lot of talk maybe, but not yeah. when you really peel back the, you know, the a layers. Of, okay. Yeah, so I'll give you an empirical, I'll give you a real life example. Okay. I won't okay. name who it is, but it's a U.S. government agency. And you're right. They invested a lot of money. Uh, in a um, asset vulnerability discovery analysis tool. I won't, I won't name the product, but... Uh, understanding what's in the environment. Right, and knowing with vulnerabilities, and they spent a lot of money, they spent a lot of time. They put in 2018, 19, they spent all day, all two years to employ a, to deploy a single tool. Very nice. So I came back, you know, now, what, uh, six, four, six, seven months later after it was fully deployed, I said, all right. So they were very impressed. They showed me how the toll was installed. And they were getting all these signals and all these all this information on vulnerabilities in this domain and that domain. I said, well, what are you doing about it? I was going to ask. Well, that was my question. Well, we, you know, <laughs> we're working on that. We, you know, we have a resource issue right now. I said, well, would you go out and invest all your money <laughs> in this toll? If it's not going to be of any use. Well, we now know where, you know, we can characterize. They, they build these very lovely slides about this is our biggest <laughs> threat. This is our next risk. This is our next lovely power, classic Washington, D.C. They build these lovely PowerPoint slides showing where their risks are. But ask, what are you actually doing to address this risk? Well, you know, we're working on it. That's in next year's budget, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I just shake my head. And you would think once you have the data and you've pointed out the risk, it should be even more motivational to go and address it. Well, you would think. Um, but in this case, it didn't turn out to be. Uh, they didn't, you know, it's funny, the planning wasn't that good. <laughs> so how do we shift that? How do we ch- How do we move forward if, if we, in theory, have well, I, I, further to go than I yeah, think, I think we, we realize? I, I've been arguing, yeah, I've been arguing for a long time in Congress and in the administration, OMB, years ago that we need real regulations you know uh what do you mean what do you mean by that bob so i'll give you an example in uh in singapore and in israel um if you're in the critical infrastructure um you you are told how to configure your windows domain it's not it's not an option okay and those settings uh are centrally recorded and managed 
and logged and viewable by 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 the government because they want to make sure that everyone does their you know the critical infrastructure is is optimizing their security tools and optimizing their Windows environment and their Linux servers the way they should be. Now I'm not necessarily saying that we have to regulate to that degree, but if you look at what they're doing and you look at where we're at, um, which is well, do what you think is best and, you know, spend some money on it and, you know, uh, hopefully things will go right. You know, there's a big, big window yeah. there. Uh, yeah, we, we do a lot of guidance. We don't mandate. <laughs> Tons, there, of there's not, Tons yeah, of guidance. Maybe that is the answer. NIST is a guidance. What is NIST? Even it's guidance. Even three and one seven is guidance. Right. And I have every, all my clients are using NIST. Oh, they all love NIST. But are they doing the actual things in them? No, they're not doing that. <laughs> Well, That's NIST doesn't have any enforcement. Of I mean, course not. Unless you, on the government side, we do a little more with Fatara. Well, again, Fatara, I think, is a bit broad in scope. Uh, I, I think it um, had good objectives initially, but, you know, it was classic case of a committee got together and, you know, instead of building a racehorse, they built a camel. Um, but it, it's not bad. FISMA is not bad. But um, it's not detailed enough, nor, and this is the other part you were alluding to, is there any penalty for um, not compliance, non -com right? Right. Whoever suffered, whatever government agency, even OMB, who suffered, I presume, the, the largest uh, cyber exposure. Mm -hmm. You're talking my, the OPM breach? Yeah, my account, yeah. My, my clearance, your clearance, uh, you know. What, who, who suffered that? No one. Do they even what do you think, it? Erica? Well, what do you think, Erica? <laughs> I would say, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say no one. Well, I, I guess I could see that. I mean, we've talked about that in the past, how, you know, sort of life seems to go on, especially now when we see some of these breaches, and as opposed to, I think, the reaction that we probably should have and, and the changes that um, each of us, even as individuals, make to protect our, our, ourselves. So uh, that's, probably, that's probably a fair assessment. Right now, this is the real world equivalent of all these nation states and other bad actors, not all nation states, reaching into our finances, into our bank accounts and extracting money. And we don't do a whole lot of it to stop it. I mean, to me, that's the way I see it. I don't know if you agree, Bob. Yeah, I mean, about uh, a number of months back, I was talking with a um, I guess he's a, a grayer hat hacker. <laughs> we, we won't color him, but he's not of this country. And, okay. um, yeah, we were just talking, you know, doing some message chat. Um, and I asked him about, you know, he, he, he was asking about, um, cybersecurity and, and basically sharing cybersecurity sharing and, you know, where's that at? And I said, you know, it's, 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 where's that? It's, it's not that great. And I asked him, I said, you all ever even care about that? And he said, no, we don't give a damn. Oh, wow. <laughs> That has no interest to us. He says, um, none of this, none of the regulations we uh, so so dearly cling to, the you know, be it the ISO standard 2700, 2701, uh, the Terra, the FISMA. He says, we, we think we pay attention to that. He says, all we do is look for opportunities and they're always there. Well, we often say, and they just have to get, get it right once, right? That's all it takes, so. You're right, but we give them, you know, in each organization, Lots, we yeah. give them exactly. The, as I said before, the attack surface is really, really broad. When you when you talk to people in the military, the, you know, the generals in the army, you know, they train you 
you know, if you're defending an area, the first thing you want to do is reduce your attack surface, right? So you, you have you have a you have a place that you can defend. We we um, we don't even get close to we we have no uh, att- yeah the attack surface is is too broad. And what I'm hearing you say is you recommend some level of regulatory requirements in order to force people to do what they're not naturally doing and hold and hold them accountable. Right. I was going to say, yeah. I think the accountability part is, I mean, is key. I mean, we, we see some of these regulations um, in all across all types of industries that, you know, that that occur. But it's what what is that accountability really look like or, you know, what how do we make sure that they're actually enforcing them? What are your thoughts on that, Bob? I mean, if you had a <laughs> a uh, magic I, pen. Yeah, I would. I think it's necessary. You know, the problem is. They, they get. They have spent money. The government has allocated money through OMB for uh, cybersecurity, without really guiding them as exactly how to do it. I, I've gone into some agencies where they spent, oh, you know, lots of money on bringing companies to do governance and planning and policies and strategy. Didn't buy one technical security measure uh, with the money, but had a had a, a lovely, um, you know, pr- process. With uh, you know lunch served at twelve o'clock at the governance board and you know everything was wonderful, but the systems weren't any secure. I've seen other agencies basically pour all the money into the wrong technology. Yeah, I was uh, going to say I see that all the time. Right, tons of tools, especially, especially dozens, hundreds of tools. Exactly, they buy, they buy, they buy, but you know they don't really have any good governance over control of their network. They don't even know where it's at. They don't even know who has access. It takes a while. To, by the time they install the tolls, are mostly obsolete. Um, like this one agency I told you about. They went out and they bought the asset inventory and uh, vulnerability discovery toll. And they were so proud of themselves. They were so celebratory <laughs> that they got installed. They forgot the goal of the toll was to find and then fix the vulnerabilities. Yeah. So we see this bizarre um, mix of um, application of security funding. And, and I think the way you have to do it right is you have to really regulate it. Um, as they do in some other countries, and then and then actually go in and test and see if it's like the way it should be. And if it's not, you got to hold, you got to find, um, you know, whoever's accountable. Uh, and I think that's part of the regulatory process to say you're going to be accountable. Then I'll see, think you'll see some real, you know, improvements. Do we have enough money at this point? Good question. Um, you know, we probably don't have enough money to fix the legacy. Uh, infrastructure. Uh, okay. You know, a lot of them are still running on old Sun OS. Uh, the, the agency, I, I, I'm probably getting close to identify, but actually not because a lot of them do. You know, they run their, they're still running on Sun OS as their main uh, backend database device. So you're not going to be able to fix some of these systems. But the good news is they're all going to the cloud. You know, they're going to the mm-hmm. Azure or AWS. And I think we missed an opportunity regulatory-wise. We missed an opportunity um, in the gov- in the Open Cloud Initiative to push them in that direction, but but which we are doing, but push them in a way that they also do it in a secure way. I, I agree with mm-hmm. you. When you look at the new cloud smart, right? We had cloud first. Now the new government strategy is cloud smart. It's workforce procurement and security are the three pillars of cloud smart. Right. We talk about it. But we're not mandating it. Moving to the cloud right. just opens up the attack surface. Going well, back to to uh, you know the earlier part of the dialogue, it just makes it yeah. more available. It's it easier you, for us, but also the adversary. It gives you the potential to get it right. 
because there's more tolls available and you can buy it as a service as opposed to you having to do it, which, as I said, uh, hasn't really worked. The problem is these same organizations that haven't done it right on prem. I don't know what makes people think <laughs> they're going to get it right I, in the cloud. Yeah, which is I, more I, complicated exactly. Exactly. If they can't if they can't secure their Linux data, you know, if they're running a Sun OS database base uh, back end server, right? What makes you think the same crew of um, of uh, idiots? <laughs> I don't necessarily mean they're personally idiots, but what makes you think they're going to be able to establish a secure cloud environment, which you said is more which is more complicated, which they or probably not. don't even understand because they know. No, of course not. Well, no, well, what is be what is being done right? I, I think you know. <laughs> I want to add a little bit okay, of optimism okay. to this phone okay, to this this podcast. <laughs> Uh, what is being done? Well, you know, I've, I've seen, at least in private uh, companies, um, some, I guess, some areas where I think they're actually improving. Uh, specifically, you know, some of the financials I work with are doing really good work in securing their Windows infrastructure. Um, they're doing a much better job of managing privileged accounts. Um they're actually bringing together uh, external log data, event log data, uh, UEBA, I mean, user behavior analytics uh, together in a uh, collected database and actually getting much, much better at finding uh, incidents uh, than they ever were before. Uh, again, none of that involved any sharing or obtaining in intelligence money when they're all doing it themselves, which is, so I think they are doing some things better um, but by and large, it's few and far between. How about the insurance space? Do you think insurance, cybersecurity insurance? I mean, I'm 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 reading articles. There was something uh, an old friend of mine published, uh, Raj Samani from McAfee, about you know we're starting to see cyber insurance companies just pay off ransomware because it's cheaper, almost like an accident. Oh, you're going to take me to court? Here, here, here's ten grand. Go away. You know, we're starting to see yeah. more, more and more cyber insurance just pay out because it's actually easier than what you would have to do otherwise from a, a backup recovery perspective or you name it and, and shelling out the millions of bucks. But do you see insurance at some point? Companies are needing cyber insurance, not the government. Do you see that moving the needle and making them more serious, almost a, a commercialized regulatory requirement, right? We'll give you insurance at this rate if you do these things. So you got to be very careful. So I've advised a couple companies and a couple insurance companies on okay. uh, uh, policy. And here's the rub. Um, for the companies, it's not going to help. Having insurance will financially, you know, potentially financially reimburse you a certain amount. It doesn't help right. anything with the problem. You still have the cyber problem. It doesn't help with your um, reputation, with your customers, right? In fact, it may even be worse if you relied solely on cyber intelligence. I wouldn't want to be banking at a financial institution whose sole security measure or, or primary security measure was, well, we got a great insurance policy. That's nice <laughs> for you, but where the, what the hell happened to me? How does that um, help me as a consumer, right? Yeah, it doesn't help you at all. From but, a, but as far as driving the regular, driving almost the, hey, you're going to pay what, whatever, $10 million, but if you, a year for this policy, 
But if you do these things and show proof that you're doing them, your fees will go down to four million. Well, like a so good, good driver's record versus yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the rub. So yeah, that's right. You can measure a good driver, and he can. You can install a dongle in his car and measure his performance and make sure he's you know not uh, violating any speed laws. Uh, to do that in the cyber industry is very. To do that in the IT industry is very very difficult. Difficult. Um, and what's happening is. I've been involved in a few situations where a company was, uh, in one case, company was ransomware, and they went to their insurance company, and the insurance company basically said, "Nope, sorry, uh, this the the specific ransomware you got was occurred during an act of war, and it was going out to specifically a target. Um, in this case, it was Ukraine. You just happened to have visited a website." that downloaded the malware and it involved and it infected your system. Um, and we don't, we don't, since it wasn't an attack on you specifically, and it was a, basically an act of war, uh, you're not covered. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. And in, in another case, in another Talk case, about a loophole. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, so I thought the same thing, but then I looked at the policy. It said exactly that. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I've read my life insurance policies right. and, 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 and homeowners. And if you actually read them, there are five million ways to get yeah, out exactly. of them with the company. Exactly. In another case, um, the company um, had an incident. It wasn't ransomware, but they did have an incident. They did lose mon- money to the Russians. They went to the insurance company and the insurance company says, wait a second, you've got server 2003 Windows servers on your network. And the company said, yeah, but those weren't the ones that were attacked. Companies, yeah, the insurance company says, I don't care. Oh, that's, wow. not, that's, not, that's not sufficient due diligence from a security perspective. That's an unsupported operating system. How can you claim, make a claim that you have a security program of, of any value when uh, you're running servers 2003? Sorry. No pay. So does the organization in question then go and up everything, or do they just switch insurance companies, or do they just say uh, well, they all the insurance loss? Yeah, they all they all talk to each. They all basically, you know, all the big ones. They're all the same. Yeah, they're all the same. Uh, you would almost very there have been very few actual payouts. Yeah, you would almost think that we could go to some kind of we we do financial auditing. Right. You would almost think that they would go to some kind of, you know, let's get Ernst and Young in here and do a cybersecurity audit to provide back to the insurance companies to show that we're doing the right behaviors, we're doing the right things, and and, and therefore prove it out. Yeah, right? I've actually talked to a couple of companies who who have started that idea as a business, uh, cyber insurance due diligence validation. Um. The problem is because it's very complicated and these networks are so uh, sophisticated, you know, um, they can come in at a point in time and say, yeah, on this date, you know, it was fully patched and they had two-factor authentication, whatever the you know due diligence requirements are. The problem is how do you attest to that on day 671, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I mean, financial audits, you would do them – you know, either continuously or quarterly or annually and recertify, at some point you've got to draw the line, but, you know, do you would do an annual certification, right? Ernst Young's in auditing my my financial books. Uh, By the way, there's also a group in here working on my cyber books to make sure that we have all, we've done everything we need to do. Yeah, I mean, exactly that's being discussed now. 
I don't know, well, Erica. We never we never really get to the bottom of recommendations, yeah. but I, I in well, my the recommendation mind, I hear is that you should be checking your policies to make sure that. <laughs> well, and well, yeah, but that's hard. I mean, it's yeah. really difficult. How do you get rid of Sun OS? Which I mean, Bob, yeah. help me here. But I was a Sun OS admin back in the nineties. <laughs> I mean, so we're talking. It's at least thirty years old. Right. right? How do you, how do you move it out of your business quickly? Yeah. We've got legacy applications here, companies, government, but everybody. Oh, this one agency, basically, they've written code. The application, which is one of their primary business applications, actually uses, they weren't called APIs at the time, but they actually uses the features of the Sun OS, and no no one knows. Right, total rewrite. Yeah, exactly. They're basically building a new system right now. In fact, I would argue they're probably more secure on Sun OS. Yeah, I made that point. (laughs) <laughs> and most people are on, on running on Windows today or, or, I mean, or whatever. Because yeah, I mean, the adversaries don't know SunOS that well. They're too it's too old. Yeah, they've yeah. moved on, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Lo- lots of good <laughs> I think um things to think about here, guys. Uh at least though uh when we started off we're talking about the worst of the worst, but I think <laughs> at least, you know, there's some optimism at the end though. But that's we'll we'll see. Eric, I have one last question for Bob. Okay. Bob, you've got almost 40 years, maybe more of experience in this industry. 35. (laughs) Okay. I want to age you. Sorry. Awesome. 35 years, young experience here. What's the craziest or or most ridiculous thing you've you've experienced or seen from a cybersecurity perspective over that time? From a cyber perspective, um, yeah, somebody not doing something, yeah. uh, leaving their doors and windows. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they just you've got I some great they, um, I so I so in one organization, I won't say if it's public or private, but we found uh, the Windows domain admin dialing in from a Starbucks to do their uh, AD work. <laughs> active. So <laughs> they were updating or working <laughs> on Active Directory, really on, the on the corporate the domain. Wow. The phone book and authentication system for the yeah. the organization right. on unsecure Wi-Fi over Starbucks. Yeah. That's right. In fact, you said dialing in, but if they had dialed in over a modem, it would have been, been a lot better. better. would have been a lot better. So yeah. unsecure Wi-Fi, they're updating corporate active directory. Yeah, they, they're the domain admin on the uh, AD box. I guess there was no two-person rule in that. No, no, no two-person rule, no nothing. Um, we went back through the logs and, you know, found the addresses and we had the suspicion. We went and confronted the individual and he said, yeah, uh, you know, there's no policy that says I can't do it. Uh, I don't do it all the time, but this was, uh, I got a requirement in, I didn't want to drive into the office, blah, blah, blah. I was going to be at the Starbucks. I just connected in and, uh, did my work. I would say we don't document common sense, but that's, no, that would don't. just be my snarky answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Erica, end us, end us on a happy note, Erica, please. <laughs> well, the, the happy note will be just thank you so much, Bob, for joining us this sure. week. I mean, I, I think the past, um, between you know the conversation we've had with Dick and uh, the past two episodes and this one, I mean, it's 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 interesting, especially given the, uh, the, the expertise that you all both have had. So it, I think it... It shows us that we have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a rich but, industry. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. That's I will set my it's, alarm it's great this job evening. security, right, for yeah. everyone. So <laughs> that's that's my optimism there. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you Bob, for joining us, pleasure. Bob. Thank yep. you, and thank you t- 
Thank you to all our listeners for joining us each week at To The Point Cybersecurity. We look forward to uh, bringing you another episode next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 